0: You're listening to Friendlier, the podcast for friends
1: who love to talk, read, and eat. I'm Abby. And I'm Sarah. Today we're going to talk about moving, but first let's catch up on life lately. Abby, what's new with you?
0: I want to share about Plum and her balance bike. So fun. We got her a balance bike on your recommendation for her birthday, which is in February. and She was super not into it then, Mm -hmm. but recently we pulled it back out and she is really excited about it. It's totally awesome. She can go so fast. She went pretty far on it the other day and had no trouble on the way to the farmer's market, but then we were coming back Mm -hmm. from the farmer's market and she fake cried the whole time because she didn't want to ride it. Mm -hmm. And I told her when we left that one of the deals was if we bring your bike, then you have to ride it the whole time. I'm not going to carry it because I was also wearing Pepper in the front pack. So I was just not into it. And so she was a little upset about that. But despite that somewhat negative experience, she still wants to ride it. So didn't ruin anything. She's scooting around. It's super fun.
1: Good. We did a lot of using that with the double stroller. So we could throw it kind of on top of the shade mm. when they were done with the balanced biking, when they were still in that phase where... It's hard to commit for a long ride. (laughs)
0: Yeah, interesting. Might be something to think about. I think I was wearing Pepper because I wanted him to take a nap. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't really do that in the stroller. He just looks all around now.
1: So, yeah, I think it's a fine boundary to set. But sometimes those boundaries can be more painful for the parents than (laughs) the kids. (laughs) I think it was painful for everyone.
0: But still fun. What's new with you, Sarah?
1: We just got back from a family camping trip. This is our... Fourth camping trip of 2019, which I'm fairly proud of. Although HP told me that he wants to be in a different family that camps more. <laughs> so there's that. We went with another family, which I think always makes camping more fun. Unfortunately, they had to leave in the middle of the first night because their son got sick, which mm. is just miserable all around. I think with every camping trip, we're learning more about how to make it a better experience. Mm. And This is the first year we've really done car camping before we've done bike camping. Yeah. Which means we rely much more on the bare necessities where with car camping, you can have a little bit more luxury in your camping because you have more space to bring things. Absolutely. After this trip, there were certain things that I thought we should get that if we're going to become a car camping family, just a nicer stove as opposed to the backpacking stove Mm -hmm. and nicer sleeping mats than what we currently have. Just all these little things that We definitely didn't bring when we were on the bike, but we could start bringing now. So wanting to contemplate that to make car camping even more fun in the future. Cool. Let's move into what we've been reading. Abby, what is your latest read? I just finished His Majesty's
0: Dragon by Naomi Novik, and this is the first in the Temeraire series. Okay. It's a historical fantasy novel set in the time of Napoleon. In the UK. So the British and French are fighting each other Mm -hmm. in the background of the book. Got it. But instead of just regular history battle stuff, both England and France have an aerial corps with dragons. (laughs) (laughs) So it's historical fiction, but then you throw the fantasy element in there too. Mm -hmm. And I just really loved it. I thought it was so clever how she wove that in. And I don't always love when... It's real life, but then you add the fantasy on top of it. You know, we've talked about magical realism before, Mm -hmm. but this is so clearly fantasy in more of a Harry Potter type way that it's not like going about your normal life and then something kooky happens. And is it fantasy or is it magic or is it not? It's clearly magic, right? It's clearly dragons.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: I love the relationships between the people and dragons. I love how she set up the world so that there were social structures based on the fact that some people dedicate their lives to working with the dragons, and others think that's not a really good idea for someone who is of the aristocracy. Mm. I also loved that this was a quicker read than either of her other books that I read. So I talked about Spinning Silver on here, and then she also has another one, Uprooted. That's another modern fairy tale. And both of those felt like really dense books that took me longer to read. This book I flew through, so that's just really satisfying. There was nothing that I didn't like about it. There are maybe eight other books in
1: the series. Oh my goodness. Okay. I'm going to get them and read them ASAP (laughs) on the list already. (laughs) It's great when you find a series that you love like that because then it just keeps going. I know.
0: The kind of bummer thing is because they are shorter reads, it's not going to take me as long. You know, it's going to be that thing where Mm -hmm. you turn the page and each page is closer to the end of. The story that's available in the world.
1: Yes. And is it a thing where when you get to the end of the eighth one, there's more to the story that hasn't yet been written and you'll be waiting? Or will it be complete?
0: Ooh, that's a good question.
1: Because I hate getting to the end when it's not over.
0: (laughs) I'm not sure about that yet. Okay. I haven't looked to see if she's still writing them. It's possible that she is. Yep. Which I don't hate that. I kind of like it. So perfect. Anticipation to come.
1: I don't like it because I forget so much of the book in between. Mm -hmm. It's not actually that I mind waiting. It's that I then have forgotten all the details, and that feels frustrating to me. Yeah.
0: yeah. Though often authors will give you a little refresher at the beginning, yes. and if you're reading them straight through, then you're like, ah, I know all this. Flip, 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 yeah. flip, flip. Right. So, yeah.
1: And there's always Wikipedia. <laughs> right. <laughs> what have you been reading, Sarah? I'm actually in the middle of a book that I wanted to share. It is called Once Upon a River by Diane Setterfield. I was going to wait till I finished it, but I'm not that excited about any other recent book that I finished, and I'm loving this one so much that Mm -hmm. I wanted to go ahead and share it when I'm about three quarters of the way through. It is set in the 1800s in England, and a four-year-old girl is found dead in the Thames and brought into a tavern, but then she wakes up and is alive. So it does have that more magical realism feel where most of the world is very... Regular, but then this extraordinary thing happens at the beginning. Huh. And the rest of the novel is solving this mystery of what happened. Mm. I love the feel of the book. It is really creepy and mystical and just has this great, dark, cozy feel to it. I think it is perfect for this time of year. The language and descriptions are beautiful and have made me stop to reread sentences mm. often. And that doesn't happen very often in books because lots of books are so plot-driven. And this one is plot-driven, but there's also just amazing language. And then with the mystery element that just keeps you turning the pages, I am just loving it. There's nothing I don't like about this book. That sounds like you'd recommend it too. I would absolutely recommend it. Hopefully the ending is just as satisfying as the first three quarters. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move into our main segment for today. Moving, a very timely topic for you and a reflection back for me. Let's start by describing some of our early experiences with moving.
0: We only moved once when I was a kid and just to a new house within the same town. And I was young enough that I don't even really remember what happened or helping much. I think Mm -hmm. my parents handled it all. So thanks, parents. (laughs) Best kind of move, (laughs) right? The move to college was my first out-of-state move, but you know, you're know you moving into a dorm, and especially where we went to school, everyone lives in a dorm, so there was sort of no question. You just go where they put you, and everyone is provided the same stuff, and mm-hmm. you pretty much bring all the same stuff. Right.
1: My experiences were fairly similar. I actually never moved growing up. My mm-hmm. parents still live in the same house that I was brought home to as an infant, and going to Hendrix. As you said, all the logistics are already done for you. We didn't have to search for housing or figure out how to pay rent or fill out applications for a landlord or any of that. I think for both of us, grad school was the first place that was Mm -hmm. figuring out those things. How did that work for you when you moved to Nashville?
0: That was still relatively easy because I had been living at home right before. So I moved home after college and then my parents helped me move to Nashville and because Andrew was already living in Nashville because that's where his mm. parents were from, he could scope out apartments for me. Mm-hmm. I really trusted that he knew what I wanted and knew the area and so would pick something that really worked well and it did. Yeah. I did move from Nashville to Chicago for just a summer to do a journalism fellowship mm-hmm. right at the end of graduate school and that was a little bit trickier because number 1 I was subletting so I wasn't finding something mm. permanent. Mm-hmm. And so I needed to find something that was temporary, but that had all this stuff there so I wasn't going to have to take like a bed and things, right, or sleep on a thermarest all summer or something like that, <laughs> which I suppose I could have done. That would have been just fine. So that was tricky. I ended up just getting a place through Craigslist. This woman was subletting her little studio apartment, and I knew the area I wanted to be to be able to walk. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of options because it's a big city, but that was tricky, and I moved up there just with suitcases, so right. I didn't plan super well. For whatever reason, I don't know if I thought she was providing linens or what, but I showed up with no sheets and pillows, so I had to like
1: mm-hmm.
0: walk to TJ Maxx or whatever and buy mm-hmm. sheets and pillows the first night that I was there, which ended up being fine. But
1: yeah, I feel like that's part of every move is that you get some place and you're like, "Where is this thing? Do I even have this? What do I even <laughs> need in this place?" Right. <laughs>
0: Exactly. It's like there's a lot of
1: last minute purchases that come along with uh uh-huh. taking up a new residence. Yeah.
0: And then in the midst of that move, there was this added complication of what to do with our animals because mm. we moved out of and sold our Nashville townhouse mm-hmm. and put our stuff in storage, but then we needed a place for our animals to live and Actually, my mom ended up taking our cats back to Texas for the summer, and hmm. Tonks just stayed with Andrew wherever he was, sort of living with friends and family around. But that was a little complicated. Yeah. Not really my favorite thing to coordinate logistically. Mm-hmm. I'd forgotten that piece of it. What about that post-college time in your life,
1: Sarah? Yeah. We moved to Oregon together. We just packed up my Honda Accord and moved out there, getting rid of everything that would not fit in that sedan.
0: hmm <laughs>
1: It was great. We found a nice apartment across the street from the university and it was nice to have that place together to set up because Neil moved into my apartment the summer after he had finished school. And Mm. I think that that felt really different to be moving into my place as opposed to starting fresh together. Mm -hmm. So while I love the Little Rock apartment, I think it was good for us to be going someplace new. Yeah. Have that fresh start in your partnership. Exactly. So our first adult moves came after grad school. What did that look like for you?
0: We moved from Nashville to North Carolina in the fall of 2013. And that was a tricky move because we had the animals and because we had a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. And because we were moving somewhere where we weren't super familiar with the area. So I knew a little bit about where we wanted to live. And... My aunt's best friend lives here, and she was really kind and looked at places for us. And, you know, said, This landlord seems like a good person. This one seems like kind of sketchy,
1: was mm-hmm, meeting mm-hmm.
0: them and, and passing judgment. And thankfully, because we ended up in a great situation for the first house that we rented, but it was a little further out. If we'd known a little bit more about the area, I think we could have gotten closer in to start with and maybe avoided hmm. some of the moves that we did Right within Carborough, because we moved out of that initial house after like seven months or so and then moved to another house and that wasn't great and then we ended up in our current place. So I just wonder if we would have stayed somewhere else if we'd started out closer in.
1: It's so hard to know because we did something similar after grad school we were kind of floating in between places for about six months after grad school, biking and farming, staying with his parents, staying with my parents before Mm -hmm. we finally got an apartment in Missouri. And even that was pretty temporary because then we had our first really big adult move to Austin. Yeah. And we moved three times within Austin Mm -hmm. and we were only there for four years. So a similar situation. And I think it worked out really well. We also had a friend who could look at a place for us and just tell us that it wasn't Disastrous. Right. And that it would be a fine place for us to live, which was helpful. But it is a little bit nerve wracking to move into a place without having seen the place where you'll be living and to make a legal commitment to being there or signing a lease. Especially now with kids, I feel like
0: Mm -hmm. doing that in Chicago, you know, I was stuck there. I had paid the 10 weeks of rent in advance. That was the money. I had to stay there. If it had been truly horrible, I would have just been stuck to mm-hmm. a certain extent. But I would never do something like that now with children. Mm, yeah. It's just really different contemplating the logistics of moving when you're
1: young and fancy free versus mm-hmm. these days. Well, let's go into that more. Let's talk about the logistics of our past moves and what you're planning this time versus how you've handled it in the past.
0: As I kind of mentioned already, that Nashville to North Carolina move was our biggest in terms of stuff. Mm -hmm. In order to sell our townhouse, we got a storage unit and moved a lot of stuff into storage, things like beer brewing equipment and stuff that we weren't going to use immediately, but that we still wanted to take with us, but that would make the space look really cluttered. Okay. And so we took it out to sell the house. And then when we moved out of the townhouse, Andrew moved in with his parents, I went to Chicago, and we put the rest of our stuff in storage. So. Our everyday stuff, our winter clothes, our mattress, our couch, et cetera. And then we hired movers to load the truck directly from the storage unit.
1: Mm. And
0: when Andrew went to pick up the U-Haul, I think we'd asked for maybe a 16-foot truck and they gave him a 20-foot truck or something like that. So he ended mm. up with a much bigger truck. And at first he was like, "Ugh, I'm so annoyed. Right. This is going to be so much bigger to drive on the road and it's going to take more gas, et cetera, et cetera. But then... We put all the stuff in and it was full to the brim. (laughs) So it was like, thank goodness for the happy accident of being given a bigger truck than we ordered. Right. Because or else I don't know what we would have done. Maybe, you know, Mm -hmm. just left some things behind. And in retrospect, maybe that would have been a good idea because I think that much stuff was totally unnecessary and we've sort of Mm -hmm. shed things since
1: then. But really complicated to make those decisions, especially if you have movers there loading up your truck and then on the spot. Yeah, needing to decide what you were going to jettison that does not sound fun
0: I wasn't even there I think Andrew was coordinating Mm -hmm. the truck loading at the storage unit without even my participation for the best then yeah so it really was so then we also had the animals and Tonks rode in the front seat with Andrew (laughs) and then the cats rode with me which is good because one of our cats cries the whole time he's in the car until he falls Mm -hmm. asleep and then he wakes up and cries again and Andrew gets so annoyed about it it's like having a kid. <laughs> Almost exactly. So I will say Pepper is a louder
1: crier than our cat Duncan. <laughs> it was good preparation for becoming parents. <laughs>
0: yeah. So that was our first move. And it was also kind of stressful because we had a tire blowout in the moving truck. Oh. Luckily, it was in the back where there are uh-huh. two tires. Okay. Andrew was able to exit and get to a right. gas station. And then I don't know if we had paid for this or if U-Haul does this for everyone, but they basically sent someone with huge tires to come and put a different tire on. Andrew and I also had walkie-talkies so we could talk Ooh, to each yes. other in the car without <laughs> fussing with a cell phone and looking down at it. Right. And I was walkie-talking him and be like, you lost a tire, man. <laughs> and he's like, what? Oh, no. I think Curses. Words. So anyway, that was fun. Love it. And then when we got here, we had also hired movers to help us unload on this Mm -hmm. end. So we didn't do any loading and unloading ourselves. Okay. At least not of the big things. I think we did plenty of small stuff. Right. So within our Carborough moves, I mostly have moved all the small things in our car and in laundry baskets and bags Mm -hmm. and stuff before the big moving day. And then we'll hire movers that have their own truck and bring their own truck to do things like our mattress, our bed frame, Mm -hmm. our dining table, and our sleep sofa. But Mm -hmm. everything else just about can go in the car with me. But you know, that's when I didn't have any children. Mm -hmm. I'm envisioning, how would that look now? And for one thing, there's just not that much room in our car now because we have two giant car seats in there. And for another, when would I have the time? It's good we're moving across the country this time rather than within town because it just wouldn't work the same, I don't think.
1: We've done lots of all kinds of moves, both with kids and without. Mm -hmm. I feel, as I wrote all this out, that we make the logistics much more complicated than they need to be in an effort (laughs) to be frugal. So we've never hired movers, though it sounds lovely to have that happen. It can be a mixed bag.
0: Sometimes they're really good and sometimes they bang up your stuff. Mm, Yes. I mean, if you're not that attached to your stuff, which we aren't, it's fine.
1: I think that we see it the same way I see something like flying coach versus first class. Like, Mm. wouldn't it be nice to be in first class, but Mm. I can deal with anything for six hours to fly. So (laughs) might as well just be miserable and save the money. That's how we see moving.
0: I would more (laughs) equate moving without movers to doing a
1: really long road trip instead of flying. Mm. Yep. Well, (laughs) here we are. To go to Oregon, we moved everything in our car, which was great because we had nothing of value. Just sold everything, got there, started hitting up garage sales and Craigslist to get what we needed. Perfect. It was totally fine. When we moved from Oregon back to Missouri slash Arkansas, we sold almost everything. My brother came and we moved stuff in his car to his basement. Then after we had traveled around Oregon by bike... We put everything on the train. So on the train, I think you were each allowed three checked bags, large bags, and three carry-on plus our two bikes. So we got everything we owned into (laughs) six bags and six carry-ons. That's amazing. I'm quite proud of ourselves for that accomplishment. (laughs) You should be. (laughs) And so moved back by train to Austin. We just put everything in the back of my dad's pickup truck. Every time we're selling all of our furniture because it gets to the point when we would look up moving costs. It's like, is our furniture worth this much money? Mm. No, not even close. Right. So that made our decision for us. Within Austin, we just used people's trucks. I think one time, one inter-Austin move, we did rent a U-Haul trailer, a small one just for the day. Mm Mm-hmm. And it was fine with kids doing that. I think doing interstate with kids is actually much more challenging because I feel like there were so many people that could just help watch our kids while we were doing that. Oh, yeah. But I think it's always just complicated with kids. I guess it's probably not easier one way or the other. (laughs) Yeah. And then probably our most challenging move was from Austin to Indiana. And that is for many reasons, starting with the fact that our landlord would not let us extend the lease for another month. And so we had to put all of our stuff into storage in between when we were leaving Austin and going to Indiana and move into an Airbnb for three or four weeks. I remember that. And then we had two weddings we were going to in Colorado, and we were waiting for our renters to move out of the house that we owned Mm. because we were currently living in a rental for reasons I think I've explained on the pod before. (laughs) But... (laughs) We had to wait for them to get out to do the work on the house that needed to be done to sell it. So we we're in the Airbnb. Then we all fly to Colorado for two weddings we'd already planned on attending. Neil flew back to Austin to do that housework, get the house ready to sell, loaded up a trailer. So moved all the stuff from storage into the trailer. And then we actually had an SUV that a friend wanted to get to Chicago. So mm. we drove the SUV with the trailer behind it to Indiana. And then the other person came from Chicago. It's all quite complicated. And then (laughs) meanwhile, the kids and I flew from Colorado to Missouri where my mom picked us up. We stayed for a few days there and then drove over to Bloomington the same day Neil was arriving with the the SUV. Yes. And we did all of that also without ever having seen the place we were moving to in Bloomington. But we (laughs) did have a friend who came and checked it out for us. I had actually never set foot in Bloomington before we moved with both of our kids. And our kids were ages 9 months and just turned 3 when all of that was happening.
0: Yeah, so really similar ages
1: to to what ours. you're going through. Yeah. Yes. At the time, it was just what we needed to do and we just did it. But looking back, I'm like that was a little intense. Yeah.
0: Our plan with this current move is to get the little U pack cubes. Mm-hmm. You can order a certain number of cubes, and then if you don't fill them up, they won't charge you for them. They'll just come and take them away. Interesting. We'll have them here at our place and be able to pack them and like fit everything in on our mm-hmm. own. And so we're actually not going to get movers on this side. We're just going to have help with the heavier stuff. Right. And then those will get loaded on a truck. We're still not sure where we're going to live once we get to Birmingham. Mm -hmm. We might actually do Airbnb for a while and -hmm. just leave our stuff in those Mm -hmm. cubes and they will store them for you for however long you want. And then once we know where we're going to be, then we can set a delivery date for our stuff. So we would just take the essentials, Mm -hmm. air mattress, travel crib, little toddler cot and sort of do like a camping in Airbnb
1: thing Mm -hmm. until we can get it on the other end. Yeah. And then you'll drive your car with both kids and the cats Mm -hmm. and you. Yeah. So
0: really, our cat Duncan and Pepper are going to give each other a run for the money as to who will be more annoying in the car. Can't wait to report back on that, listeners. Stay tuned.
1: Will do. As you look ahead to your impending move, what are you most looking forward to about the experience?
0: I'm really excited about... Moving into somewhere that is already clean. (laughs) Mm, mm I feel like I am so far behind on housework and the general state of our apartment that just starting over is going to feel better. And I mean, maybe you can talk about this, but when you're in a place for several years, things start to happen like dings in the walls and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Do you just repaint touch up every so often or do you just let it look how it looks? We have never stayed in a place long enough that it gets really unlivable with all the little things like that piling up. But I'm looking around our place right now. If we were going to stay, it might be nice to get some pain and touch some
1: things up. I'm the wrong person to ask because from 2007 to 2016, I lived in 10 different places. Whoa. Yeah. Including that short-term Airbnb move and an internship abroad during that Uh time span. But we just moved a lot. This place we're currently in, we've been the longest of any place, and we've been here just over three years. Mm. I feel like we're getting to that point. Handprints on the walls. Right. As you said, lots of dings. Let's just say at this particular moment in my life, not high on my priority list to care. <laughs> Fair enough. But maybe when I have more bandwidth, that would be something to take on.
0: Yeah. So I clearly can't get up the bandwidth to do anything about it now. But As a result, I'm really looking forward to
1: having that fresh start in our new Mm -hmm. place. I always think that when I'm done with a rental because I am obsessive about cleaning it because I want all of my money back from that deposit. Yeah, girl. It's going to look better than when we found it. Mm -hmm. And after I do that huge clean, I'm like, this is so nice. I wish it was like (laughs) this when we lived here. I know. I know.
0: (laughs) And that's the other thing. When we moved out of our townhouse in Nashville, we had it painted inside Mm -hmm. right before selling it. And I was like, why didn't we have it painted these beautiful colors Mm -hmm. before? Years ago. Like right when we moved in. I mean, and there are lots of reasons for that, but all the regrets of my life. (laughs) (laughs) So another thing I'm really excited about is getting rid of stuff. It is already starting. We've already sold some things, some Mm -hmm. big crafting items that I stopped kidding myself that I was ever going to use. Andrew Mm -hmm. sold all his Mm -hmm. beer brewing equipment because He hasn't brewed in two years, and he is about to have an uptick in his work, and now we have two children. I said, if you want to brew again later, you can get whatever you want and just buy it again. start over. Because that way we won't have to move it, and I'm really excited about that already. Mm -hmm. The last thing I'm looking forward to about this move is that we are probably going to be in Birmingham a while. All of our other moves, we've been pretty sure that they've been temporary. So Mm -hmm. even if it's been for five or six years, we were planning to go somewhere else eventually. Mm -hmm. But Birmingham is somewhere we could stay forever. And Mm -hmm. maybe it'll work out and maybe it won't. But it's kind of nice to have that sort of more settled feeling about this next step.
1: I felt that same way about our move to Bloomington, that Austin was always somewhat temporary in our mind, that we thought it would be a great place to get started. We saw ourselves there for about five years, but that we didn't see ourselves there long term. Mm -hmm. And... In choosing Bloomington, we were trying to pick a place where we really wanted to put down roots. And it has a really different feel to it because in Austin, I always felt like we were a little bit one foot in, one foot out. Mm -hmm. And I still worked really hard to build community there. And we felt very connected. But I always did have in the back of my mind that that was not our forever place. And so it's nice being here a feeling like all that work that goes into building community, it's made those hard parts feel easier to get through knowing that. Yeah. You've already touched on the purging aspect of moving, and that is by far my favorite thing. I love it. (laughs) Getting rid of all of the things and just being forced to confront your stuff, the things that just get pushed to the side. But when you're moving and when you're moving and packing yourself and unpacking yourself, You're touching everything you own twice. Yeah. And I feel like I get rid of a lot of it on the front end before we move because we're always moving in these really small spaces. Right. But then unpacking, I can get rid of even more. It's like you build up that muscle of doing it.
0: And sometimes you get to your new place and all your stuff doesn't fit. Yes. And so then you're like, well, I guess we're not keeping these things either.
1: (laughs) Yes, that is what happened to us with our move within Austin from the house we owned to our rental, that it was smaller and not even that much smaller in terms of square footage, but in terms of closet space, mm. there was one closet. <laughs> yeah. And that's it. There was just one large closet in our bedroom. And it was before E was born. And I just wanted to get rid of all of the things. The closet mm-hmm. still felt cluttered. It's so like haven't gotten rid of enough. I think that's when I offloaded a bunch of crafting aspirational projects that were taking up (laughs) a lot of space. It's something that I really enjoyed about how often we moved is getting to go through that, and I think it really helped me along my minimalist journey. Mm -hmm. And now that I've been one place longer, I can feel all the stuff creeping up, and I'm definitely wanting to make purging a regular part of our lives when I have the time to do that, which doesn't feel like right now. The other part of moving that I really love is the daydreaming aspect of it, of looking Mm. at housing in a new place and just imagining being in a new place and looking up the grocery store and the schools and the library and looking at routes on the map. And that is all very fun to me. I don't actually enjoy the part where you need to take action and make plans and follow through, but that (laughs) dreaming stage is just so pleasant where the whole world feels open with all of these possibilities of a shiny new situation.
0: There's just so much promise in that.
1: Yes, exactly. On the flip side, what are the things that you are least looking forward to or most dreading about moving in general and the moving process?
0: I mean, it just takes so much time. You mentioned the time needed for perching, but Mm -hmm. I just feel like all of the logistics leading up to a move, whether that's reserving the little packing cubes or collecting boxes in advance or trying to figure out where you're going to live. Now we're doing things like trying to find a preschool for Plum so that she has somewhere to go so that I can keep working after our move is done. And Mm -hmm. just all of that stuff feels like another job when I have plenty of jobs to be doing Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) right now. And you're wanting to spend time with your community in North Carolina. So you're wanting to do more social things than maybe you do otherwise, but you have more other stuff you need to be doing too.
0: Exactly. And stuff like my kids are picking up on the changes. And so I feel like they're needing more from me too. Mm -hmm. And I want to be present for them and give them what they need in terms of whether it's reading books together or cuddles but then there are all these other things that i have to check off a list and so feeling pulled in all those directions is mm. really hard yeah it's also really stressful as we've already discussed to find somewhere to live
1: mm-hmm.
0: without knowing anyone who can go look at it for you mm-hmm. and you know make sure it doesn't smell like mold or cat pee or <laughs> whatever <laughs> yes. especially with the internet there is a lot to look at but photos can be really deceiving so that's kind of tricky. We have done two separate trips to the city to follow up on the stuff that you were talking about and dreaming about, you know, like mm-hmm. mapping out where the grocery store is and figuring out where the neighborhoods are that you want to be and that kind of thing. And I think on our most recent one, we made really good progress in terms of narrowing it down to a really specific area that we want to be in and feeling good about certain streets, you know, driving mm-hmm. up and down and really marking down what looks good and what really is walkable and what Might look walkable on a map, but actually is a really steep hill because it's Birmingham and everything (laughs) is on a hill. Mm -hmm. I'm feeling good about that and excited and hopeful that we will find something. But it is still another
1: thing to be done. I'm really impressed that you guys have done that twice with both your kids because that's a lot of work. And I think it's worth it, like you're saying, to get that firsthand feel for it. But it is no joke trying to figure that out with kids in tow and the road trip that comes along with that. Yeah. As well.
0: You're right. (laughs) I give myself a medal
1: for both those trips. As you should. (laughs) What are your least favorite parts about moving? On the logistical side, I really hate unpacking. I Mm. hate that first week when everything's in disarray. Stress is already high, and then you can't find the forks when you need them, and (laughs) it just doesn't feel good. And I think with the last couple moves, when that was happening, I was like, oh, yes. This is happening again. I'm feeling annoyed at everything in the world right now. I should just go to sleep and unpack some boxes tomorrow instead of feeling this rage. (laughs) (laughs) And as we've talked about on previous episodes, it's good to recognize those feelings. It doesn't exactly make them better, right? But I think it does help me know I am going to feel better in a week and hold on to that as I'm going through (laughs) the very hard moments. Yep. On the more emotional side, just rebuilding community is really hard. It's Mm. a lot of work to make a community and build a network and feel settled in a place. And when you move, you're just starting all over. And that's lonely and can be for a long time.
0: Definitely not looking forward to that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know we've both read Melanie Warnick's book, This Is Where You Belong. And I so loved reading it right after I had moved to Bloomington and being in the place where I saw myself for a long time. Mm Mm-hmm. And I remember you reading it when you were in North Carolina and feeling sad that maybe you would have to leave. So yeah,
0: I'm glad that you brought that up again, because definitely my experience in reading that book was, wow, all of these things that she's saying that make you feel connected and invested in your community are things that we have here. Mm -hmm. But also, I think it would probably be good for me to look back at it again, because I think that those are probably things that we can find in Birmingham, too. And it might be nice to have a little bit of a roadmap for how to go about building that kind of connection to the community.
1: I love how actionable it is. Here are actual steps you can take to feel more connected as opposed to just, isn't this hard? Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think reading nonfiction that has those steps Mm -hmm. just feels much more productive. Absolutely. I'll also
0: say that after my call for Birmingham and Birmingham adjacent listeners. We have heard Mm -hmm. from several people and it has been lovely to hear from you and to hear that you love living there and that eventually we might get to meet. And so if anyone knows Birmingham friends or lives in Birmingham or those surrounding areas themselves, here's another call. Get in touch with me. I'd
1: love to hear from you. Let's end this conversation by talking about any specific practical tips you have for the moving and or packing unpacking process.
0: What I found really helpful this time is to collect boxes and packing materials ahead of time. I feel like sometimes I've gotten to the end of packing and realized, oh, I need another small box or I need more Mm -hmm. packing paper or whatever. And sometimes I've had to go out and buy stuff, which just feels so foolish because there's so much of that stuff floating around already And so what I've been doing is in my Buy Nothing group and on Facebook Marketplace, I just am watching for Mm -hmm. people to give away their moving boxes. And one person, she was giving them away. And so I responded to her Facebook ad and she was really close by. So I was able to go over really fast. And then- Rather than posting the next wave of boxes, she just messaged me again nice. and said, Hey, I have more. Do you want them? So it was like a direct line mm-hmm. to my moving box <laughs> supply from that person. And then I have another friend who's sort of done that too. So that's been something that has worked, I think, pretty well this time. Who knows if we'll have enough when we actually get down to the packing, but I'm feeling really good about prepping this far in advance. And in the same vein, selling stuff in advance so that mm-hmm. you don't end up having to just give it all away at the end because no one is coming to buy it things that you want to sell that you think might get money, it's good to do that ahead of time. And then the last thing I'll say is to be absolutely ruthless with what you get rid of. So we've touched on that already, but if you think you might get rid of it at some point, just do it now. (laughs)
1: What are your tips, Sarah? My number one tip is to have your partner do all of the packing for you, which is how (laughs) we do it in our family. Neil and I had made an agreement early on in our relationship that he would do all the packing because it made me so angry and Mm. I would do our taxes. So we've had that arrangement for a while which I feel like I was on the winning end of when we were moving every single so year. So Right. Now that we're here for longer, I feel like we need to reevaluate that situation. Uh-huh. But honestly, I hate packing so much that it's probably still worth it to me, even with years of me doing the taxes.
0: Yeah, even if you only move <laughs> a couple more times than your life.
1: Yes. He's very meticulous about it and like uses our clothes to wrap up all of our dishes, to put in mm. our duffel bag. So we actually don't even use that many boxes and has a whole system down, I 100% agree about just selling everything. You don't need it. Just sell it. It's so much cheaper than moving it. And I wouldn't think that if we had really nice things, but we still have mostly stuff we found on Craigslist. So Mm -hmm. that works for us. And then try so hard to do the work on the front end so you don't move stuff that you don't actually want to move because it's just creating more work for you. Right. Right. I think that's hard to do, especially when you get down to the end and there just isn't enough time and it's like, throw it all in baskets and <laughs> shove it wherever you're going. <laughs> yeah. But it makes the unpacking end of it so much nicer to only be pulling out things that you actually want to find a place for in your house. Totally. I think that wraps up our conversation about moving, but we would love to hear your tips, especially Abby, as she's about to embark on uh, her first moving adventure with children. <laughs> oh my gosh! Yes, send them all my way. Also, send
0: your thoughts of prayers. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Let's finish up by sharing something that we've been eating lately. I wanted to share a camping lunch and dinner that we had. HP's teacher had been talking to him about how when he goes camping, he just wraps up potatoes in foil, small round mm. potatoes, and then puts them in the campfire. And we've definitely done like that campfire veggie situation where you chop up a lot of stuff and have a foil packet and do mm-hmm. it but we had never done just the potatoes mm-hmm. and we had it for dinner both nights it was really delicious we brought some butter and salt to have them plain but the second night i had also brought these packets of maya kamal mm. indian food yeah i like those and thought this will be great for camping and so having one of those campfire potatoes with an Indian split pea situation on top of it yeah, was very satisfying and delicious and felt like upscale camping food. (laughs) Right. Totally. Which is always a great way to feel.
0: Yeah. So cultured while you're camping.
1: Yes. Because I don't love the hot dogs, breakfast, lunch, and dinner the way the rest of my family does. (laughs) (laughs) What have you been eating?
0: We just did a visit to Nashville and... My mother-in-law made her famous fried chicken while you were there, Mm -hmm. and she does it the old-fashioned way, marinates the chicken in buttermilk, breads Mm -hmm. it, fries it in a cast iron, and it was just amazing. It's not something that I will ever do at my own home for myself, but her doing it for me is (laughs) awesome. That's all for this episode of Friendlier. It's been great talking with you, Sarah,
1: and with all of you listeners. You could find us on our website, friendlierpodcast.com, on Instagram at friendlierpodcast, or email us friendlierpodcast at gmail.com. And if you've enjoyed the show, we would so love it if you would share it with a friend who you think would also like it. Until next time,
0: may your books be engaging, your food delicious, and your conversations friendly. So, you know how that – you were like, there's a weird sound. Is that in my track? It was him meowing. It was Doug oh. meowing in our last one that we just did. Oh, yeah. You were like, uh-huh. what is that sound? And I was like, it it it's Duncan. Madame cat. Well, what can
1: you do? Go yeah. ahead. Sorry. Okay. And if you've been enjoying listening to the show, we would so love if you would tell a friend – we would so love if you would tell a friend about it. We can just cut it. I can't do it today. (laughs) Okay, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it.